back to the Tapping Up podcast with Ian and Daryl. Um, we're going to try and make sure that we uh, start on a happier note this week, just considering some of the results. So we'll, I think we'll go straight on to uh, Saturday's late result and the later kick-off. Um, I think someone lost quite heavily, didn't they? don't remember enjoying a result as much as that that my own team weren't involved in. <laughs> I was smiling like a Cheshire cat, 4-0 down to Brentford at home it doesn't doesn't get much better than your own team than Liverpool beating them I was ecstatic I know we were texting each other because we couldn't quite believe it but that is indicative of Man U's woes they looked they were absolutely horrendous I was sat in um, a pub in good old Pontefract uh, watching this and there were a few Man U fans in there and they actually got up and left uh, about 3-0, I think it was. Um, Did people start cheering as they left? No, they didn't, unfortunately. Most people were just encapsulated by the smell of KFC from next door and, and bookies that's joined onto it. Um, but yeah, unbelievable. I, I Literally, I know that they're bad at the moment. I know they're going through an absolutely horrendous run. But they were so, so bad. They look like, <laughs> I know it's ridiculous to say, relegation fodder. They're not going to get relegated. Don't get me wrong, they're going to be absolutely nowhere near that. They'll be around uh, top six, if not in it. But... I just can't believe they're so disjointed at the moment. I agree, and it's hard not to be smug and point out that they're bottom of the league. It can't ever not love Man U being bottom of the league, but we are two games in, and it feels the same as I can remember last year. Was it Tottenham celebrating two games in that they'd won both and Arsenal had lost both and said, Arsenal are bottom and we're top. So no one should be celebrating after two games, but it's a pretty good start, and it, I think it shows people have underestimated the job that Ten Hag has got them to be 4-0 down to Brentford. And let's be fair, Brentford have not have lost their best player to Man U in yeah. terms of Ericsson. They have or they have replaced him now with that Dams guard who seems a quite a good signing but didn't play. So they're probably on paper worse than they were last season. And they're 4-0 up at half time to Man U. It always um makes me laugh as well about how much like a Lego stadium Brentford's uh, stadium looks. The G Tech, I think it's called now. Um it's one of those quite generic new stadiums. Yeah. It's got no character, no kind of individuality. It just it's like quite a European aesthetic. Championships under twenty threes sort of venue. It just doesn't look that big. Doesn't have that much of an atmosphere. But let's not slag off Brentford because they give us probably the best result of the weekend. Um, we've got to talk about the others, I suppose. So I guess we'll start with us just because we played first. Uh, so Leeds. I watched this game with um, an Arsenal supporting fan who <laughs> was quite unhappy at a certain point in the second half because it looked like Leeds were sailing to another win. Um, two wins on the bounds, looked quite comfortable after Rodrigo got his second. And then all of a sudden they just imploded, which is pretty standard for Leeds. And he cheered both the Southampton goals, which, as you can imagine, went down fantastically well. Rather smugly, I've been saying to you for a while, haven't I? I think we touched this on, on the podcast last week. I rate Rodrigo. I think he gets a hard time. Two goals, two nil up. You know, it was, again, we were t- I was texting you in the game. I thought it looked pretty good and it seemed pretty justified from watching the scores come in. Um, but Leeds are one, once they concede one, as soon as it went to 2-1, I had that bad feeling. It could have ended up worse off and maybe they were going to lose. But, yeah. Um, it seemed to go from a very healthy winning position. But um, I, I've said over and over to you, I think Rodrigo's underestimated. I think if you play him in the actual position, which I know he wasn't playing up front, ironically, but two goals, three and three, three and two games. 
did move up front though at one did point. He? Yeah, so in the second half, funnily enough, um, Bamford went off injured because surprise, injured. surprise. Yeah, uh, they tried putting Dan James up front as they tried a lot last season, and again, surprise, surprise, it didn't work. So they moved him out to the wing and put Rodrigo up front in the second half, and he gets two goals. So tell me why though you put a winger up front and an up front I, I striker don't. out on the wing, just. I'm, 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 not, I'm not the man to ask. You need to ask Marcelo Bielsa. Did it a lot last season, and Jesse Marsh seems to do exactly the same. But I think it's just a matter of they don't have anyone else to play there other than Rodrigo, and they didn't seem to want to put Rodrigo there. There's loads of stuff in the press now that Leeds aren't going to go after a second striker, which is negligence at best for me. Uh, I think they definitely need one just because Bamford seems to be made out of biscuits, but. Yeah, if Rodrigo keeps going, can't really complain on that and we've got Sinistera to come through. But four points from the first two games as a Leeds fan, I can't complain at that. Obviously, we've got Chelsea to come at weekend, so I'm not expecting anything out of that. But you never know. Double the points of Liverpool at the moment. We've only two points. and Well, we're a better team than Liverpool, that's why. But let, let's move on to Liverpool, shall we? Because we watched this um, earlier this week. Seething <laughs> doesn't even come close to describing it. So... Through my range of emotions and watching it in the first half, we are battering them to the point where it was embarrassing. I think we had 14 shots off target, four on target or something like that. Nine times out of ten, Mo, Mo scores the, the, the chance he had probably about 20 minutes in. Nunes did hit the post, but it was a bit of a shank and it was sort of spinning away. So it wasn't ever really going in, I don't think. Um, but to, to have that half, the hit us on the break. Um, I know we were discussing at the gym last night. Personally, I think Van Dyke is to blame. Van Dyke could have he, he jockeyed him, took him out, and he let him get the shot away. You, you called it to me that basically he was saying to Zaha, "Go on, let's see if you're good enough." I think he did do that, and Zaha was good enough in yeah. that moment. My view: Van Dyke should have tackled him, even if he missed the tackle. Zaha would have had to cut inside. He's that much closer to goal. He's on his other weaker foot. We would have had a better chance. So, uh, my, I think I'm probably over harsh, and you pointed that out to me, but I blame that one on Van Dyke. We then, obviously, thinking it's okay. Nunes loses his marbles. People, I've, I've read all this. It was a proper headbutt. Fuck off. He turned round into his face. It, it's a red card. It was stupid, but it wasn't a proper headbutt. It wasn't a Zidane or something like that. All of a sudden, you then think we're in real trouble here, 10 men. We get pulled out of a, a hole by Diaz with an amazing goal, amazing goal, but could have easily, easily lost at the end. And in fact, should have lost done. because yeah. of uh, what we. Why I don't rate Zaha in that world class bracket is he's too inconsistent. Really good goal at the start, has that volley, hit the post, should have scored there. Got a score if he's the player people. I mean, there was talk of him last season being a seventy million pound player. I think you say every kid. season though, don't they? It's always linked to Arsenal and. This, that, and the other, but I think the Zaha one was bad. I'm sure it was Anderson. It's the last, I think it was the 94th minute, it comes across, and in, instead of trying to play it across goal where there's two Crystal Palace players waiting, I think he tries to go for goal and he just puts it over bar. I was like, I can't really watch, but yeah, I think he got not lucky, um, but I think he got out of a hole there when it looked like he'd have been curtains. Because we were saying, weren't we? I think with City winning both their games. It doesn't sound a lot, but a four-point gap two games into the season is quite substantial. More than we've lost the title by in the last two seasons. So, I mean, you jokingly said to me, is that the title done? <laughs> it would be crazy for someone to say so after two games, but 
Yeah, it probably is. That, you, I don't want to be one of those super negative people, but when you've got the quality that City had and that consistency, yeah, adding in Haaland, who's just, as you say, looked pretty good in, in, in uh, apart from the, the, the community shield, he's obviously two goals against West Ham, didn't score uh, the weekend, but I think it was relatively instrumental, uh, you know, and, and doing some good work uh, around the box, but... Yeah, I'll be honest. I I, I didn't. I mean, I, again, you you know this from us talking, but I didn't think we had a realistic chance of winning the title this season anyway. So it doesn't surprise me that that's the case. But uh, and you could even say we've probably been the worst the worst team maybe by the first half against Palace in both those matches and been behind and got something out of them. Mm. So to have two points, we could have easily had none. So in some ways, that shows some resolve and character, but. Mm, it's not yeah, not, not enough. I think um, we said last week in the predictions that I think City will run away with it and it seems to be that way already. Um, I think you'll still finish second comfortably, but I just don't think that you've got anywhere enough to compete with City this year. Um, moving on, I think two of the other games that I want to mention before we come on to next week's, Chelsea Spurs, just because there's been quite a lot of controversy, should we say, following on to uh, at the end of that and, and Graham Souness' comments. Did you watch full Chelsea Spurs game? Didn't, admittedly. Um, saw the highlights, saw the incident, seemed a bit of um, handbags, you know, tried to shake his hand, wouldn't let go. It wasn't, didn't seem that big a deal. Again, the media these days blow these things up into a, a massive storm, but yeah. it's not ideal. Um, the thing that I couldn't get my head round, which I felt the strangest, is they both got a red card. However, when we were discussing things, it's been confirmed... That Touche will be on the, the sideline against um, Leeds. I, I thought, I've got to be honest, my, my misunderstanding, a red card to a manager was exactly like a player, automatic ban. Not so, confirmed. That's the other thing. So it said on uh, BBC Sport that the suggestion was that he could still be on the touchline, which is nothing confirmed as of yet. And in fact, one of the interviews that Tuchel gave following, I think it was the post-match conference, he said... Um, something along the lines of I won't be at Leeds but um, the referee will be using his whistle next week or something along those lines so nothing confirmed but the rumours were that he would still be allowed on the touchline which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever what, what is the point in the card then it's just a gesture like, um, does that yeah. mean Nunes can play against Man U <laughs> and it's not an automatic three match brand it's, it's, you know, it, it seems ridiculous would you want him to play <laughs> Because he, he was fairly good and we were hyping him up a little bit. And then obviously he didn't have the best of games and he got wound up and we were comparing to Diego Costa in the sense that he just completely lost his head. Uh, I think Anderson played a, a bit blinder. But yeah, so there was all the controversy with uh, the comments of uh, it's a man's game with uh, Spurs and Chelsea. Both of those, I think the teams will be top four, I'll be honest. I watched it. Um, it's not fantastic in terms of the display from both teams but it would definitely worth it for the handbags to be honest uh, I like Conte and don't really like Tuchel so seeing a little bit of a uh, coming to blows is, is quite entertaining the other one I wanted to mention just because I know that he will be listening to this and had a lot of comments to make about it last week um, is the Arsenal result so Nathan, my Arsenal supporting mate, is the one who was watching the Leeds game with me, celebrating the, the Southampton goals. He's quite confident in Arsenal uh, this season, and as every Arsenal fan seems to believe, thinks that they're going to do... Win the league! Yeah, well, 
Um, definitely be up there. But uh, yeah, he, he thinks that they've made a fantastic start and the signings that they've made are brilliant. And I know we talked about Gabriel Jesus uh, quite a lot as well. who's was a fairly comfortable signing. I, I still think that they struggle to get top four. I'll be honest. Um, he hated me saying this uh, in last week's podcast, but I just don't see it. I don't think they're good enough. I would agree with you. Again, judging the teams that they've beat so far, um, I used to say to my Arsenal mates whenever this Arteta bubble was getting blown up, play a proper team and let's see. And yeah. then when they'd play Liverpool, we'd humble them over the last few seasons. And I would still say the same. So play a proper team, let's see how they do when they come up against City, Liverpool, Chelsea. Um, that'll be the real test. But they did look pretty good. I mean, Jesus, I think, now that he has the chance to shine and be the main man did seem to be revelling in that that role of being the focus, having all the attention, being the main man, which at City, when you've got the calibre of players and just the, the amount of quality there, it's easy to get lost in that. So yeah. I do. I think we always agreed that he would be a good signing. Um, he looked lively, he looked hungry um, and pretty prolific. So yeah, I think that's a really good signing for Arsenal. They'll definitely do a lot better than last season, but... Nowhere near the title. Not even close. No, not even slightly. Um, let's go on to, like I said, next week's games, but it's this week's games. Um, I'll go over very quickly Leeds-Chelsea just because I think it's a bit of a free hit. These games always seem to be for teams like us at this stage of, of where we are in Premier League. I expect Chelsea will probably run away with it. It'd be nice to see some sort of fight, though. If we can get a draw out of it, it'll be on the moon. If we can just show a bit of a performance where Chelsea can't just walk over us I'd also be happy with that to be honest not been overly impressed with Chelsea so far um, I think they can be there to be got at essentially but I still think that they'll win quite comfortably under no illusions on that I mean they haven't got a striker have they? they've obviously um, got Sterling in uh, they like playing Havertz as a false nine who I like him as a player but he's not a false nine no. um, I think that's a big Hole for them, sold Werner, they let uh, Lukaku go out on loan. They don't really seem to have that focal point, which would definitely worry me if I was if I was a Chelsea fan. But I think that'd be all right. The other one and the big one, uh, relegation battle between yourself and uh, and Manu. So uh, funnily enough, if Manu win this, they go above you. I would have taken it every day, given how terrible the scum were. I was rubbing my hands together at the weekend after watching them and uh, lose to Brentford, thinking. We'll absolutely smash them. But then with the Palace result, given the kind of slightly hit and miss way we've been, Nunes is out. So that means it'll have to probably be Firmino to come in. Um, I'm definitely less confident than I was this time last uh, last week or even before the Palace game. But um, we should win. Hope if they turn up like they did in the first two games, it should be a walkover. But equally, if Liverpool turn up, it could be a really terrible match. So... Um, be interesting, but yeah, I think we should win. Another lovely Monday night football for you as well. Yeah, which is I don't it, very strange. Liverpool Man U on a Monday night. That's a Saturday Sunday main game every time. So maybe that even shows you how um, Man U have fallen from grace. That Liverpool Man U is now a Monday night game, not uh, Saturday evening or uh, you know four o'clock on a Sunday like it traditionally was. I um, think it's it's probably to do with the um, fact that Neville and Carragher love to do these Monday night football analysis etc so it would make more sense with it being Liverpool Man U could be a spicy game in commentary because I say as much as they get on they, they have a little bit of a, a bitch fest between themselves sometimes so uh, that could be quite a good one to watch um, and maybe it would be another scrap along with uh, AJ and us but 
Before we move on to, to boxing, I just had a question that I wanted to pose you. I was interested and I wonder if other people would be as well, uh, seeing as you watch quite a lot of uh, live football. Out of all the years you've watched, who would you say was the player that live has changed your opinion of them the most? So I'll give you an example. For me, I Berbatov. I went to, the only time I've been to Old Trafford, I went with my mates a number of years ago to watch Hull, uh, who were Hull fans when Hull played, it Hull first season, Hull were in the Premier League. I used to slag off Berbatov, something rotten, lazy, you know, not really that great. I have never seen live someone impress me so much as Berbatov. His touch was incredible. There's a couple of times he pulled the ball down over his shoulder, look, incredible. His, his, his touch and his movement, I came away thinking, I can't believe I got that guy so wrong. So, uh, do anyone stick out in your mind? It's an interesting question. Um, there's no one that really immediately springs to mind for me. Um, I've been going a, a few years to Leeds games, but it's mainly been championship football, to be honest. So it's not been anything uh, outstanding. I'd give a little bit of a... I'd give him his props, I suppose, to Liam Cooper. Just because you know how much I get infuriated by Liam Cooper. He's one of these who, he's not highly rated. He's never going to be a world beater. He's never going to be overly fantastic or looked up by big teams. But the amount of times that he seems to be, it's vocal basically. So the amount of times that he seems to be talking to the players, getting them all organised, doing what a captain should do, which you're never ever going to see on TV. It's just going to be, oh look, it's Liam Cooper making another horrendous mistake. Um, but he, he seems to gel that team together and I think that they do miss him in times that he's not here. So, for example, now he's just coming back from an injury. The defence looks a little bit shakier. And again, I'm never going to be his biggest fan, but I definitely have to give him props for that. The other one, for me, would have been Calvin Phillips. Just because when he first came through, everybody slagged him off. Uh, and I'm pretty sure there were about 5% of the Leeds fan base that wanted to keep him. Said they had something there. Um it was between him and uh, the aptly named Ronaldo Vieira, fantastic footballer name. Uh, I think he's at Sampdoria now, but between him and uh, them two that were going to get sold, essentially, and Bielsa picked between them. And he said, look, if I keep them both, I'm going to make them superstars and, and worth a lot of money. The owner took it out of their hands, sold Vieira, and we kept Phillips. And then you've seen Phillips's meteoric rise in the last few years for what Bielsa's done to him. He's gone to being a... 50-odd million-pound player uh, on the back of three seasons, which is, is incredible. But again, he's another one that when you first watched him, just looks a bit like a deer in, in headlights, really. But yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think I'll come back to that next week and I'll, I'll give you a better answer on other players. I'll have to have a think about it. But yeah, segue on to AJ Usyk. So quite a big weekend of sport, to be honest. So we've got that and we've got the UFC that we'll come on to shortly. But... I'm back in AJ. I just, I, it's probably hard overhead because I know how good Usyk is. I think AJ knocks him out, and I think he knocks him out comprehensively in the sixth or seventh. Interesting. Um, I got to be I used to love AJ. I think he got shown up by um, the Mexican Ruiz. Ruiz. Uh, I think he probably undertrained and and and. Um, Slept on Ruiz a bit, so didn't really train. Obviously, battled him in the rematch, and I think that's where we discussed that maybe some of your mindsets coming from. That you know, he's let AJ learn his lesson. He's lost once, and he'll come back. Um, I just think 
uh, Usyk's too good as a boxer. I think he won't stand in range with him. He'll be, you know, he's, he's got that Ukrainian movement that you see with someone like Lomachenko, you know, light on his feet. And I see it probably going the same way as the first fight, if I'm honest. I think there's an element of AJ Bruno's lesson and will we'll come out. One of the things that I have seen is interesting is AJ looks big. Both him and I both look big compared to what they were. Usyk's really piled it on. Um, yeah. Obviously, that AJ used to look like uh, a bodybuilder, I think, particularly against Ruiz, maybe realised that carrying some of that extra weight and muscle slowed him down, so then looked to maybe trim it down a bit, whereas now I saw a picture of him the other day, looks absolutely shredded again. Um, well, that's mainly because, and I, this is one of the biggest gripes I had with the first fight, he tried to outbox Usyk, which is just complete and utter madness, and for you to turn around and try and coach that into someone who is a big, heavy, bodybuilding-looking hitter who has knocked out some very big names is just madness. Why change your stance now? And I think that's why he's probably bulked up. That's probably why Usyk's bulked up as well, because he's like, look, this guy's going to come out and try and knock me out here, so I need to put a bit more on. I think that could go against Usyk, because I think it'll slow him down, but you can't really underestimate Usyk either, because he's, he's some fighter. I mean, it's one of those... It could easily be a toy cost. It could go. You could make arguments either way quite easily. But um, if AJ does win, I think I would agree with you that he'd probably knock him out. I, I wouldn't. If it goes twelve rounds, I'd be surprised if AJ can take the scorecards. You've got yeah. back Usyk. So I think if it goes to, goes the distance, and if I had to give my view, I think it'd be the same Usyk uh, unanimous decision. So on that, here's some uh, predictions from the the bigger boxing world, and you'll be shocked to know who Eddie Hearn is backing. But um, we've got Tyson I'll take Fury. A guess. <laughs> Tyson Fury is backing Usyk. Uh, Tony Bellew thinks AJ. Kel Brook is Usyk. Fraser Clark is AJ, obviously because he's friends with him. Uh, David Hay, AJ. George Groves trying to stay a bit more relevant. I think he's been on a, a few. Um, is he on Boxer at the moment, or is he on Dazone? Either way. Um, he's going Usyk. Uh, never been a fan of George Groves. I'm quite happy to see uh, Fox knock him out that time. But uh, Eddie Hearn, as I say, AJ. Joe Joyce Usyk, which you can see quite clearly there's people associated with Eddie Hearn's stable are going Joshua and people associated um, with BT Sport, etc. are going Usyk. And then, obviously, we've got um, Khan back in Joshua, but no one really cares about Khan's opinion because he seems to get everything wrong these days. Um yeah, I'm excited for it. It's one of those that is a big fight. Um, happy to sit there a few pints this weekend and enjoy that. And hopefully AJ pulls it out. But I suppose we'll see and uh, we can talk about it next week. It feels a little also like I can't help but uh, feel the, f- the shadow of fury is hanging over this fight. Even <laughs> though this uh, this week he's, he's confirmed, in inverted commas, that he's retired. Um, he, the ring have taken the belt off of him and that's now up for, for grabs in, in AJ Usyk which would be, be interesting not quite um, for undisputed because um, WBC WBC still, still with, with uh, Fury and that will go to if he does retire but it feels like he maybe has made those announcements there's a What's cynicism the in, the, yeah. in, in the same week that there's this big fight and the obvious winner w- would have fought if he hadn't retired Fury for the undisputed it feels like that shadow's over him by the fact that he's also retiring. It feels a bit like you're going to have to give me even more money now to come out of retirement to fight um, 
the winner. But right. This is one of these that I, th- I think the cynical side of me, and this is what boxing has done as a sport to me, I suppose, in the last few years, but cynical side of me thinks that he doesn't want to fight Usyk because that's one of those fights that he could feasibly lose. And I think, like you said, it'd be a time cost because then you're looking at a very, very good boxer against Fiora, and I don't think he's really come up against a good boxer. He's come up against Wilder, who knockout artist and dispatched him with relatively uh, relative ease but nothing like I think same with uh, Dillian White as well but nothing really of uh, the, the proposition that Usyk proposes I think that if AJ wins we see him as you say come out of his fake retirement and then challenge him and it's going to be for an absolute ridiculous amount of money it'll be probably Wembley um, because it'd easily sell that out for whatever ticket prices go for these days well, you got. I mean, you got. That's got to be. If AJ wins, I, I, there's no way Fury stays retired. That's no. the fight, and that's the first. Be honest. That's what all the excitement in the heavyweight division was building towards before AJ lost to Usyk. It was getting built up towards having, Ruiz. Uh, sorry, Ruiz. Um, that it was getting built up that those two were going to fight for the undisputed, probably at Wembley, ninety thousand. You know, easily hundred quid a ticket. What's that? That the gate would be crazy. Probably more. It'd be um, ridiculous. So prices. that I can't. I, I think that's a good shout by you, though, that maybe his future is dependent on the outcome of the fight. I think definitely Fury every day takes AJ, and if he if AJ wins... He'd be confident in taking I, out AJ as well. I've said to you before, I know we disagree on this, but I, I'll be honest, I think Fury beats Usyk pretty handily as well. He's, he's like, in my mind, he's like Usyk, but with more power. Good, Great feet, good boxer, good, good footwork, but I can see the angle you're saying of, does... Um, Fury want to dodge him basically, so he's retired. Does he's got his legacy, he? he's got his money, he's yeah, got enough unbeaten. money, doesn't have to worry. Whereas if um, AJ wins and there is the chance of that mega fight and another huge payday, um, I'd be surprised. Anyone who eats hedgehogs probably <laughs> says no to you know eight figures worth of money. So I, I, I we'll see Fury again, would be my yeah, I'd, I'd my be before we move on. Um, the only thing that I just want to mention in terms of end bit of boxing we mentioned a little bit about it last week which I know that you can't stand talking about this but YouTube boxing I just want to come back to this mention this to you today uh, KSI has announced that he'll be fighting two people in one night um, seems like a disaster way to happen we were talking about how long we think that the, the rounds are going to be I'm not sure if it's announced yet be surprised if it's more than six rounds each Um I can see it. I know you, you made a point of it earlier on. I can see it being four rounds and a, a bit of an exhibition more than anything. Um, the guy that he's fighting, I think one is a YouTuber or something, is it Swarmsy or something um, extravagant? And then the other being some boxer that no one's ever heard of, a bit of a journeyman by the sounds of it. It's all to set up this big Jake Paul fight. Opinions? Just nonsense. I kind of feel like you're poking the bear, <laughs> given that I hate this bullshit. We discussed it last week, and the fact that you brought it. I feel, have you got? Are you getting some sort of sidekick off? Mentioned YouTube boxing or something like that, but um, don't even want to discuss it. KSI Joker. It'll be. If you ask me, if I had to guess, two minute rounds, four minute, four rounds. So it'd be eight rounds in total if he's having this fight against two people. Um, not particularly wise again we would we discussed sort of cte concussions things like that very briefly last week having two fights in one night if you're not a professional is probably slightly dangerous seems somewhat odd about it there's, there's got to be some catch 
just because, like you say, unless it's drastically reduced rounds and one is at the start of the night, one is at the end, it's not going to just stand there, knock someone out or fight someone and then just, right, bring on the next one. Well, what happens, all joking aside, if he gets absolutely laid out in the first round of the first fight? He can't have the second fight, can he? <laughs> Are they going to let someone who's got a concussion and literally been knocked out fight? <laughs> so it seems a, a bold premise in the first instance to say, I'm going to do this. You might plan to do it, whether you're going to is a different thing. Or is there then an element of a bit of fixing and the other guy, the first fight, look, don't fucking knock me out. Let's just have a little bit of a spa to make sure you can have I'll the second one. I'll give you so much money for but it. And, yeah. I don't want to give any more time to this nonsense, if I'm being honest as well. So let's move on to I'll the make sure team. to mention it next week yeah, as well. But, I get uh, the feeling now that you, you sat there with massive, well, this is going to become a regular feature <laughs> and we're going to end up naming, instead of tapping up, it will be YouTube Boxers uh, podcast. But... Um, Wasted time, but so yeah, let's let's look at the UFC. So we've got a um, big big weekend for fights, really, with the with the boxing as well. Um, so Usman Edwards two mm-hmm. in the main event. Yeah, um, it looks like a fairly obvious winner, doesn't it? From the the outset, it doesn't look like there's going to be any other outcome than Usman winning this. Um, probably goes the same way as the the last fight as well, and he wins it by unanimous decision. I'd be quite interested to see what happens if Edwards wins her and just see where the the division goes, really. Um, it'd be nice to see a double Brit win over the weekend. Edwards and AJ double, but yeah, it's only going to end one way, isn't it? You could never say this in the UFC, but I'd be putting my mortgage on Usman winning. Usman's like a train. You know, he wrecks people. Um, you know, he's a cardio machine. You can never, he's always relentlessly coming forward. Um, he used to be one of the most dodged fighters because, every, and but he was ridiculously boring. I think I'm sure it's something like his first eight fights in the UFC all went to a decision. He was known as like Mister Decision. All of a sudden, he then hit this groove just as he was becoming uh, towards winning the title, where he seemed to add striking into his arsenal. So he's a wrestler by default, an absolutely amazing wrestler. But suddenly, over the last three or four fights, seems to have developed some pretty heavy hands. Laid out Masvidal, laid out Covington, and he's just better in Ed- than Edwards in every way. Um, so I don't see a way that Edwards can really win. Um, he's certainly not going to out-wrestle him. I don't think he can outstrike him. He hasn't got more, you know, Edwards hasn't got that touch of death power that some people have where they just need to touch up, tap, lay a glove on you and, and knock you out. Um, so I, I think it's, it's Usmond all day for me. Um, he might knock him out. Um, because you say he seems to have had this evolving striking game, but yeah, it's, money, it's money all about the takedown defense, isn't it? For for Edwards, really. Again, we're talking hypothetically, but if it can stop the the takedowns and can force him to stand up and trade with him, then he's got some chance. Again, I'd, I'd like to see it because he'd become Britain's second ever. After this thing, yep. So I mean, I've got, of course, going to be rooting for the Brit. I mean, he's a bit boring, Edwards. He's not one. It doesn't. I mean, he's got where he has in the UFC on merit to some degrees. He's not a, a trash talker. He's not. Um, uh, doesn't do a lot of things outside of the sport in terms of being gobby and, and, and creating smack talk. The only, thing, ironically, the thing he's probably best known as to most people was getting punched by Masvidal after a fight, <laughs> um, where Masvidal famously said to him, "I'll give you a two piece or something like that to do with um, having a meal or something ridiculous like that." But um, yeah, I think Usman wins pretty easily for me I expect so um, I did want to show because I'm just looking at something before we, we went on this have you seen anything about uh, Paddy the Baddy recently 
Uh, the only thing I did see, which I didn't believe, because that sounded ridiculous, I read that he was £200. Is that what you're going to mention? It's interesting you should say this, because I'm just going to hand you this picture of Paddy the Badder, what he looks like now. Fat is how he looks like. I mean, that's. That, I did see a picture, I, not that one. Ironically, what I thought was, it's either a lookalike or it was one of those fat face distorting website trick things that, you know, sort of photoshopping because he looked that fat. I mean, he fights at 155, so if you're putting on 45 pounds, that's insane. There's a, um, a bit about, so I've got here about what Dana White said. Um, he's not particularly happy with him at all he's saying how it's not good for him it's extremely tough on his body and it doesn't prolong his career uh cutting that much weight per fight isn't good for you uh, but then ultimately he says at the end but he's a grown man and he can do whatever the hell he wants to do so but that is ridiculous and i would anyone listen to this if you haven't seen this picture of, of paddy piblet at the moment just have a look um for, <laughs> for want of a, a better way of putting it he seems to have ballooned up um it, it's a Hasn't drastic been a- holding back on the pies no, or the it's, pints it's ridiculous um, the only thing uh, uh, as a I agree with, uh, can't disagree with anything Dana White said and we've talked about things on the side about if you're a professional fighter be a professional you know in whatever walk of life you do your job be a professional and it doesn't seem particularly professional from where I'm sat to be doing that I'm not a professional fighter and the only caveat I would add to that is he seems to be the UFC or, or the mixed martial art equivalent of um, Ricky Hatton. Yeah. Ricky Hatton used to do a very similar thing that was, when I'm in camp, I'm super dedicated. I'll do what I need to do. When I'm out of camp, I'll eat all the pies and drink all the pints of Guinness I want. Uh, and if I'm being brutally honest, there's an element of that that me that actually likes that, that says, you're doing a fucking hard job anyway. You want to make it harder for yourself and you don't care, I'm going to live... So there's an element of that which I kind of think, good for you, Paddy. Enjoy yourself, lad. Have, you do what you've got to do. It's a short career, isn't it, realistically? I know that the comments there that Dana White said is about, uh, well, you're not going to prolong your career. It's not a long career, realistically, in UFC. It's only so long you can get your head kicked in. So if this is going to help, I know that a lot made about the mental health side of things and obviously the comments that he made about, um, I think it was his friend, wasn't it, that had uh, committed suicide. So if it helps him and if he's having an happy life about it and who cares really I think but it it's just I think the picture itself like you say I hadn't seen the like picture but I'd heard it's about ridiculous. it I actually I saw a different picture and I thought that's just a photo it, look it real. couldn't yeah. that, put that much weight on in three weeks since the fight but it would seem he has yeah but yeah um, that's the end of, of this episode uh, as, as per we'll get some bets uh, written up get them sorted for the weekend um Hey, we're going to stick with football bets, or we're going to try and have a look at the UFC. That's card a very good point. Um, we maybe well have a look at maybe some sport. of the yeah. um, the UFC cards. I mean, just quickly before we go, the only other one that might be worth a quick mention. I, I had a, look, a little look at the card. I quite like the look of Paolo Costa and Luke Rockhold. If I, I tell you what, if there is a, a bet, that, um, I can't imagine there'd be many bookies offering this, that that fight gets cancelled because they don't make weight. That would be my <laughs> fight because Paolo Costa has uh, has come over weight a number of times. Rockhold was getting too big for middleweight and had to move up to light heavyweight because of the weight cut. So um, if there is a, a cheeky side bet on somewhere, that fight to be cancelled because one or both fighters come in overweight is definitely likely. Um, both excellent fighters back in the day. Um, Power Costa seems to be on a real decline, Rockhold less so, but um, it's really 
problematic for either of those guys that loses. It, do, it ties back into what we were speaking about last week because I think you said that it was uh, Rockall that had made the comments about the MA's fighter pay and um, and such. So I didn't know this, but um, this is something that you told me. Apparently, he's a, a model on the side, which makes the comments he made even more um, surprising because out of most fighters, the UFC is their predominant income or sponsors. They don't, they, you know, they have to work to have another career. Rockhold, since being a UFC fighter, has become a model. So it seems stri- slightly striking to me, your whole role of paid for on your looks, you're then going to get in a cage fight for someone to beat the shit out of you. So it doesn't seem maybe the best career move. The, the two careers maybe aren't in parallel. So um, particularly fighting someone like Paolo Costa, who I think his nickname is the Eraser. That's it. I mean, he is Brilliant. one punch. You know, Rockhold's nose smashed all over his face. He can't model forever. Both careers done. So it does seem dangerous for him. I suspect he's getting a fair word of money because he's also pretty deep, probably into his contract. Rockhold, in terms of he, he's got to have had fifteen, maybe more fights in the UFC. So we'll be on a fair few hundred grand for for showing up. Um, he clearly doesn't want the fifty grand bonus check after some of his comments last week. But um, yeah, that's a that would be a good fight. Last predictions then, just before we go. So men fights this weekend. No, we've already spoken about it. Usyk Joshua, who wins what round? Usyk unanimous decision. You? Uh, Joshua seventh knockout. Um, Usman Edwards two. I think this is a fairly Usman good one. unanimous decision. I'll go Edwards knocks him out then, just to be different. Just because I like to be different. But yeah, uh, that's all for this week. Uh, keep tuned in as say we'll get these bets posted on our social media.